Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions this afternoon. Uh, You can call at 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. That'll get you on the air where we can talk together. Or if you'd like to text us, the text line is open, 720-336-0897. You can text that. You can send us prayer requests. Um, It has been turned on, this number, 720-336-0897. For texting, it has been turned on 24-7 for prayer requests. So if you'd like to send a prayer request in and you know that someone, um, actually multiple people, We'll be praying for you. You can use that number. Uh, And it doesn't matter where you are in the country, uh, even to some degree, really to any degree, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you know how to text to a U.S. number, that line is open. It's especially open during the 4 o'clock hour here in Colorado uh, for texting questions or comments to today's program. This is Calvary Live This is the program where we talk about things related to life uh, and ministry, uh, related to, uh, of course, we're in the midst of a current pandemic uh, and all the restrictions that are placed upon us. I understand that our governor was on television today explaining to us, uh, and his exact quote was, uh, which, uh, how long will this, how long will a social distancing be with us, two months, three months, 10 months, however long it is until a cure or a vaccine, end quote. It has to be sustainable, end quote. Uh, And the article says, such comments were clearly intended to lay the groundwork for the lifting of the stay-at-home order while managing expectations. This especially hits hard at churches uh, because churches uh, routinely have gatherings larger than 50 uh, large, you know, even even though m- most churches uh, attendance is is about a hundred people, hundred to hundred fifty. Um, the the reality is is that if they if if our governor decides to gradually let things go, you know, ten months, that's that's unbelievable, unbelievable. So we're hoping that that wisdom will prevail, and that uh, churches can begin to meet again in a sustainable way. Uh, small churches, medium-sized churches, large churches. It is a very important part of society, uh, and it is essential that churches meet again. And so, all you know, some states haven't put stay-at-home orders at all. Did you know that? <clears throat> uh, leaders, the, Utah, Wyoming, Nebraska have resisted statewide edicts, even though they've done some local things. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? 
303-690-3000. I re- realize that the show goes out to many, many different states, so maybe your state is different. Uh, but we're work- working on what, I think this is our sixth weekend, seventh weekend now. Uh, and, uh, you know, the numbers seem to be going down. The, the decisions seem to be working. And we need to start gathering again. And, you know, it's sure we are willing to temporarily uh, hold back our worship services, but enough is enough as the numbers start to open. We need to start um, living life again, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and protect us. What are your thoughts? Are you willing to go 10 months? 10 months is a long time. I'm sure he's uh, exaggerating, but that's a direct quote. 10 months. 10 months. Um, The article says, during an April 15 press conference offering updates on the COVID-19 response, Governor Jared Polis made it clear that if his current stay-at-home order for the state ends on the 26th, as currently scheduled, social distancing and many other restrictions will remain in place well into the summer and quite possibly beyond. Uh, So two months, three months, 10 months. Uh, Let's see what the Lord wants to do and what's he doing. What is your church doing? How's your church responding? How are you responding uh, to this uh, stay-at-home order? How are you responding? Give us a call. 303-690-3000. Let's see here. We're going to go to Joe in Greeley, Colorado. Joe, welcome to the program. Yes, hi, hi, Pastor. How you doing today? Can you hear me? Good. I can hear you. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was just talking to the gentleman there uh, who uh, I talked to before I got to talking to you, and I was telling him about uh, something that I got uh, on Facebook as a message, and it was uh, pretty interesting in that uh, it was referring to uh, Isaiah uh, chapter twenty-six, verse uh, twenty. And uh, it was telling, it was God speaking to us, uh, to his people in the Bible there. And uh, it, uh, it was interesting in that they were saying that the, the day coincided with the lockdown day, March 26, chapter 26, and the, and the verse coincided with the year 2020. And it says there in the verse, it says, uh, go home, my people, and lock your doors, hide yourselves for a little while until the Lord's anger has passed which is interesting to me. I wanted to know what your thoughts were on that. Well, it's a great passage of Scripture, very encouraging for the children of Israel, written uh, through the prophet Isaiah. Uh, this judgment that was coming from God uh, definitely was a, a judgment that would be experienced had they not uh, hidden in, the, in their homes. I don't think it has much relevance to what we're experiencing today. Uh, I don't think it ties in with the date. Um, I, I'm not one of those that sees this uh, as a judgment from God. I believe that what we're experiencing is a direct result of our consequences. Certainly God uses, has used pestilences and diseases and things as judgments uh, in the past. Uh, but in the New Covenant, Jesus, either, G, either we believe Jesus Christ took the penalty of our sins upon himself, or we don't. And so therefore... If we do believe that in the New Covenant, then what we experience are consequences, uh, the consequences of sinful humanity and their rebellion against God, uh, rather than a direct judgment of God, where God now is intervening and judging 
uh, his people, or in this case, the world. But Isaiah 26 is, an, is a judgment uh, that's localized. Uh, it's, unlike today, it's the, the, what we're experiencing is more global. Um, it's a great passage, um, but I don't think it has much relevance to our current situation. I just felt it felt sounded interesting, uh, and how that those numbers just kind of came together with uh, kind of what's going on today. And I I did uh, I did go on Facebook and I I did uh, send a message back. Uh, I just kind of talked about that a little bit, but uh, I also great. got a. Um, uh, uh, when I went to read uh, my uh, Bible app, I had the uh, um, verse of uh, Proverbs twenty one twenty six yes. come up, which or twenty six yeah twenty six twenty one twenty one twenty six, and it says that here that uh, he coveteth greedily all day long, but the righteous giveth and spareth not, and I I kind of have that feeling that some of that stuff is really going on today, you know some of that stuff. How, uh, you know, the righteous, uh, which uh, they giveth and spareth not, is what I think uh, we should be thinking about in our decisions that the president makes. Uh, he should be thinking more like Jesus and more like God. And uh, instead of uh, trying to think that we have to get out here and, and open up the economy, you know, I, I hear these people, oh, these, uh, uh-huh. uh, ones that are speaking on behalf of uh, what they know, the health professionals, Sure. And some of the other people who are running the states, and you know, they're saying that uh, we got to do this in a way that's uh, that's uh, you know, make sure that uh, this thing isn't going to come back again. And and to and to those uh, decisions that are being made right now, uh, the president should be thinking about uh, um, the people that really need right now who don't have anything at all. I mean, people are getting these twelve hundred dollar checks, but there's these other people out here who are going this long stretch without nothing. And uh, there should be something for them. We should be doing something to, uh, you know, to show the love of Jesus in a way that uh, that there's plenty of food for everybody and and whoever needs it. uh, And then if anybody's in need of a a cash assistance or something, you know, God can replace anything. And I see if we would be thinking like that in our leadership, we would probably be a lot better off. How has God been moving you in serving your Greeley community as part of the church? Now, um, I attended Calvary Chapel over here in Greeley, and uh-huh. uh, Jesus has given me some things to say uh, to my Holy Spirit, and I know it's Jesus speaking to me because uh, only these word would, words would come from someone like him. And uh, he, he has told me that uh, that uh, food is mightier than the sword. And uh, Say that again? Food is mightier Can than you... the sword. Food yeah. is mightier, mightier than the sword? It's mightier than the sword. And did he give you an explanation of that word? Huh? Did he give you an explanation of that word? You know, uh, that, that, those words that he told me, that food is mightier than the sword, was when yes. I was going through something in my life, and he was yes. there with me. And, uh, you know, he, God knows all and sees all. And yes. uh, when, I, when he told me that, he didn't say anything else, but uh, he told me that, um, that uh, there is food for the masses. And uh, with those things in mind, I have been uh, sharing with people what they have put in my heart to share. And uh, I see uh, what Jesus is trying to say here is that, uh, that uh, you know, maybe one day here soon, uh, these nations are going to lay down their swords and people are going to be thinking of their people and, and feeding their people. Mm-hmm. And Jesus also said to me through my Holy Spirit uh, that p- power to the people. 
which is, I know something that, that, that he would say, you know, this is something that's coming through my Holy Spirit, and I'm, I'm not thinking a lot about it, but as I go along this path that's set for me, uh, that God has set for me, and I, I'm sharing with people, uh, he also told me to acknowledge everybody. Well, hey, I appreciate you calling in from Greeley, Joe. God bless you, man. Bye-bye. You know, another thing I was thinking about Isaiah 2620 uh, is that it's also prophetic. It wasn't just for the Israelites then, but there's a prophetic aspect to Isaiah 2620 that there will be a remnant of the Jews during the Great Tribulation period uh, that realize Jesus is Messiah uh, and will be hidden in chambers. This is often Isaiah 26 is often a passage of scripture that's that's used to refer to the rock city of Petra in Isaiah 16. So um, very interesting. Um, but I, I don't. I am not one that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I just uh, wrote. I just asked and answered the question yesterday: uh, Is the COVID nineteen God's judgment upon the United States? And um, you know, you may disagree. I'm perfectly okay with that. Um, but I said no. Uh, I believe biblically, no. And you could read that at edtaylor.org. Ed Taylor got a lot of traction yesterday. Um, as I begin, because uh, God has put a new burden in my heart to share uh, deeper prophetic things. So I've been posting a lot lately on uh, prophetic questions. Who's the Antichrist? What's the mark of the beast? Uh, as we're going to get to in a moment. edtaylor.org. And uh, that's my personal. Don't go to .com. Because professional Santa Claus is named Ed Taylor, and he owns that website. But I own .org. All right. Uh, let's see here. Brent in Denver, welcome to the program. How you doing, Ed? I'm doing great. What's going on? The, qu the question I have is, I believe somewhere in one of the Old Testament prophets, it talks about how Sodom <clears throat> and Gomorrah was judged uh, is it Sodom and Gomorrah or the the people of the day of Noah were judged not for their sexual sin, but because they neglected the needs of the poor? What are some of the scriptures um, where it talks about neglecting the poor and the way God feels about that, that, that has been written? And I think one did say specifically that uh, Sodom and Gomorrah uh, was judged for uh, neglecting the needs of the poor and yeah, I just want to see what, what you know about that. Well, certainly the the Bible has a lot to say uh, about caring for the poor and caring for others. Um, but before I get to that, let's let's make sure we answer the question about Sodom and Gomorrah, because there is some confusion on exactly what 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 brought about the um, the judgment of God. First of all, it's super clear that judgment of God came upon Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sexual sin. So we know that for sure. We also know, so to me it's not an either-or, it's both. So we also know, according to Ezekiel uh, chapter 16, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, unconcerned, and did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty, and did detestable things before me. So it's all it's all the abomination of sin, uh, the the arrogance, the um, the overwhelming selfishness, and sexual sin. It was all part of it. So it's not either or. Uh, when you put the passages together, it's all of the above. Uh, they were a rebellious city. 
uh, filled with rebellious people that were filled with all sorts of sin. Uh, and so it's all of the above. And then when we when we think about what the Bible has to say about the poor, I mean, I think of Proverbs chapter 21, verse 13, he who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 27, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is to visit orphans and widows in their distress. Proverbs nineteen seventeen, one who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord and he will pray, repay him for his good. And so, I mean, there are many, many passages of scripture that speak of a giving, generous people that identify with following God. Uh, that that that's the 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 very essence of your commitment and my commitment in following Jesus is that we deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow Him. And so the Bible is filled with this or the the right order: love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and strength and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And over and over again, Jesus' teachings, uh, Jesus taught us to care for those that are in need. To, to, and then he said, you know, even in the question, who's our neighbor? Well, everyone's our neighbor, believer and unbeliever alike. So in both sides of your question, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, the people there had lots of problems. One of them was neglecting the poor, uh, neglecting to care for people that were less fortunate. And the Bible's filled with instruction that way. Yeah, that's the one I was looking for was Ezekiel 16. And I would like to hear your opinion on uh, social distancing and how long we do it, because I figure if um, if if your dad, um, you know, if you have a, a family member who's, you know, your dad would probably be in his mid to late 60s or even older, and I kind of think that for some people it might need to go on for quite some time, but for some young people uh, or younger people, especially if they've already got the antibodies, then they can go back um, sooner. But I kind of don't think there's one size fits all. It depends on your health risks and kind of where you live. And and um, so I'd love to hear your opinion on when you think um, it should uh, should end. Well, I think it should end as soon as possible, as soon as it's safely possible. And that's really the, the big question is, isn't it? How do we define safely? Uh, because I believe that lives are more important than the economy. I believe that's the perspective of God. I believe that he values life at every stage um, from in the womb until the last breath, um, lying in a hospital bed or in a home bed. And so I believe that God's heart is, is to value life. And I think we as followers of Christ would also learn to value life over and above the economy, over and above the social norms that we're used to, over and above comfort and ease. Um, but I also know that God has allowed over the years, and, and we're talking years of recorded history, um, he's, he's uh, created, a, God has created a culture where we interact with one another where sickness and disease exist. Now, of course, sickness and disease has come from the fall of man, um, but God has allowed it, and God recognizes the the need for social interaction. And, you know, depend, I, I, think we should, I think we should walk in wisdom. I think we should make our decisions daily. Uh, you know, if there's ever a time where God is reassessing and rearranging us as followers to live daily, to pray daily, to depend upon God daily, it's now. Uh, 
and the decision that we need to make will be daily. However, you know, I think that there, there, there are definitely challenges in the political realm, uh, different governors making different decisions for different reasons that can be super frustrating and challenging. And so I'm, I'm adhering to what the Bible says to pray for my leaders. I pray for Governor Polis and the people, obviously here in Colorado, uh, the people that are making decisions for the state of Colorado. I'm praying that he walks in wisdom. Uh, that he's surrounded with people that walk in wisdom. And I'm even praying for a supernatural wisdom that God would implant in our leaders to make decisions that would value life and value life, not only life and death issues, but also the, the sake of living life with the freedoms that God has given to us. So today we honor the social distancing and we pray that the Lord gives us tomorrow things would be different. Since we're uh, under authority and we must be obedient, I did read a story where there was a, a preacher or a pastor in in um, in Virginia, Chesterfield, Virginia, that defied uh, the governor and said that he he was not going to follow social distancing, and he died Saturday of this virus. Yeah. Should we still uh, be obedient to that authority and? We And I think, really, it's got to be from state to state. So until we're told that we can gather together, should we just basically be obedient to those that have been put above us, like Governor Polis? I do think we need to take a line of obedience and, and in, any, in any scope of governmental authority. And here's the line. The Bible, the Bible lays out the line for us. We are to submit to the authorities of... Uh, that God has placed over us. The Bible couldn't be more clear on that. And in that submission, when it comes to obeying God or man, if that's the direction that gives us, it, that that's the direction that, that the government leads us, then there may come a day um, that we obey God rather than man. And we'll have to see when that day is. And, you know, again, it, these simplistic things, this guy in Virginia... Uh, he could have contracted that in his congregation. He could have contracted it uh, in the supermarket. Here in Colorado, you could pick up the virus in the marijuana store. I mean, there's there's not a lot of uh, lo- there's not there's 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 great attempts, I think, to protect the well being of our culture. But some of the decisions just don't make sense. I mean, they just don't make sense. That on one hand, a church is non essential, but you can go to a liquor store. Uh, we got to keep the liquor stores and marijuana stores open. That's it's. There's definitely some things that God needs to sort out in our hearts that we that are obviously um, not reflective of of even common sense. And so today we submit. Today I'm all I have is today, uh, and we choose to submit. Uh, we choose that as a leadership group. We have some um, we have some uh, folks that are. Uh, at risk in our church, on our leadership, in our children, in the school. And, and so we have chosen, and it's a day-by-day choice. And right now, uh, don't really see that changing, um, at least in the next couple of weeks. We'll have to see how it goes. Uh, the other thing, one last thing before I move on to our next call, but, you know, church is not canceled. It is, uh, the gathering has been postponed. And so what we long for is to gather again. But praise God for we live in a day of technology. And, and again, this, I've used this comparison in previous 
um, programs, and it's it's really not a a fair comparison, but it's the it's the it, it is a taste, I think, of the underground church in places where Christianity is outlawed with the with the threat of death, uh, with the threat of having your head cut off, um, having your family killed, and that this is this we have a sense of perhaps God opening up some empathy in our hearts for the underground church uh, and for people that have great restrictions upon them, unlike we've experienced. And I know that in, in our culture, we have a constitution. In our government, we have a constitution. We have laws, and I get that. But the gospel predated the United States of America, and generation after generation has had to battle for the gospel. And it's a quite challenging time. Um, it is beyond, that. The, I have to admit, as we come up into the break, it's beyond my ability to answer. Like I, I need and I ask God for new, fresh wisdom for these questions and new, fresh wisdom. And I can't say that I've always done that. I, I can't say even on this show that as a question comes up, I might think, oh, I know the answer to that. Um, and maybe I did know the answer to it, but I wasn't, uh, maybe I, it was an accurate representation of the word, but I wasn't as dependent or growing in my dependence of the Lord as I am now. And just every situation and every new, fresh situation that comes, it's like a fresh, new need for wisdom from above. Like James says, if we lack wisdom in the midst of trials, that we're going, we need to ask God. And and so these are great questions, and we're looking for how the Lord wants to lead us in these last days. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Uh, give me a text call, 720, or actually not a call, but a text. If you want to text me, uh, you can do that at 720-336-0897. I know we have a couple people uh, waiting, so we're, we're coming up on the break, so I'm going to just wait till after the break to take your call. We are back tonight here at Calvary Church in the book of Daniel. Uh, we'll be gathering together today at 7 p.m. for worship for communion, so get your elements of communion ready. Uh, Then we're going to have a time of corporate prayer. We call it Give 10, and Pastor Everett's going to be giving us our points for prayer tonight, and then we're going to be in a Bible study in the book of Daniel. And if you weren't with us last time, we had a great Q&A last week. Uh, We're going to do that more often. We had a great Q&A, and we were taking questions just like this. And these are great questions to ask, even if we don't have full, we're so used to full, complete answers, like just, it's closed now, I've got the answer. But we're in the situation where uh, not everything is so cut and dry. Not everything, you know, the new vernacular today is not everything is so binary. You know, it's not so black and white. Uh, and some things certainly are black and white, but some things aren't uh, in the sense of God giving us freedom to express ourselves in in our free will. Um, Very interesting time to pastor. Very interesting time to live. And my heart goes out to those of you that have uh, fears and anxieties, those of you that have friends um, and relatives in the the hospital that you can't visit, that you can't see, and that you're worried. Uh, Those of you that have um, family in the hospital in another state and you can't travel there. Those of you that have lost loved ones, um, you know, we're, you're not forgotten. You're certainly not forgotten by me. Um, those of you that have, you know, just super challenges, um, man, 
this 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 situation culturally just makes those things even harder and uh maybe i'll uh, at the top of the hour i'll take i got one open line 303-690-3000 i'll talk a little bit about grief and um point out maybe maybe grief is has reared its ugly head during this and you don't know what to do maybe i could i'll share a little bit about that you're listening to Calvary Live, originating here from the studios of Grace FM, Colorado, in Aurora. <clears throat> We're taking your calls and your questions. Shout out to our friends on Hope FM, on Truth FM, and on the radio stations around the country. You guys online, um, grateful to have you. Counted a big trust to serve you. Uh, and we're going to go out just for a couple minutes for a quick break, and then we'll be right back. This is Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. Take that open line while you can. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome everyone back to our program. It's called Calvary Live. This is the second half. Since we've had some folks waiting, let me grab some phone lines before I talk a little bit about grief. Teresa in Maryland on line two Teresa, welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. And thank you for listening. <laughs> it's a little bit okay. deep, I think. I don't know. Okay. It's what do you have? The scriptures in the Old Covenant. Yes. In Exodus 13, um, God's talking to Moses, and Moses is talking to the Israelites, and he's telling them, well, it, there's three scriptures in the Old that I found in the Old Testament, it's Exodus 13, 5 through 9, and then Exodus 13, 15 to 16, and then mm-hmm. Deuteronomy 6, 7 to 9. It's all about um, memorials, like commandments, statutes, and judgments. And like for, for an example, God says in Exodus, well, from 5 to 9, he says in Exodus 6, seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread. And in the seventh day shall be a feast to the Lord. And then he says, unleavened, unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days. And there shall be no leavened bread being seen with thee, neither shall there be leaven seen with thee in, in thy quarters. And thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, this is done because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. And here's the thing. Okay. It's about the mark. I think the okay. mark, I don't know. I, don't, I, I want to know what your thoughts are. That it's what not mark? a physical mark; that it's a spiritual mark because of these scriptures. And then it are you speaking of a, the mark of the beast in Revelation? Yes, it is yes. definitely a physical mark that represents a spiritual decision. Uh, in Revelation chapter thirteen, verse seventeen, it says, "No one may buy or sell except one has the mark." or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. And the word mark there literally means in the Greek to engrave, to sculpture, to make an impression or a symbol. And it it speaks of being cut in or stamped on. Uh, And it is definitely a literal, visible uh, mark uh, that will be taken voluntarily. Nobody will take it um, accidentally. And it is a... Although it is a physical mark that will help someone 
or enable someone to live in the global economy, it is a spiritual decision because it comes to those that worship the beast. Like when I read in the Old Covenant, though, I, I read how it says, and it shall be a sign unto thee upon thy hand and for sure. a memorial between thy, thine eyes that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. Uh-huh. And then he says that in Exodus thirteen fifteen sixteen, and then again in Deuteronomy 6, 7, and 9 about the sure. mark and then, you know, in your forehead, which is your mind. I just, I don't know, I'm just, again, well, I think you're the you... Old Testament. <laughs> When you're reading Exodus, you're coming to a good conclusion that, that when, when you're in Exodus 13, there is definitely, he, he combines the word sign with memorial in the Hebrew, and he's talking about things that would bring to their remembrance the faithfulness of God, especially as you're reading, let me get back there, uh, let me get back to Exodus 13. When you're reading in Exodus 13, um, you know, he's saying that I want you to do this and I want you to remember in verse eight, I want you to tell your son in that day, this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt. It shall be as a sign to you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this ordinance in the season from year to year. And so you certainly do have this um, symbolism and memorial remembrance that God wants them to remember. And, you know, there's some debate because you go back into Deuteronomy and it, you know, that the phylacteries were to be a physical representation of the Word of God and the remembrance of God's faithfulness. And so as they're taking of the unleavened bread and, and as they're taking of the feast, um, the, you have this sense of how it's a memorial and a sign. However, when you're leaping, so so you're reading that, I can see your conclusion, how it would be a spiritual type of thing or a representative type of thing. I think the language would even, the, the symbol, the symbolism of the meal, which is the physical part, becomes the sign and memorial and the remembrance. Um, but even as we take communion, there's a physical part to it, but it's also a memorial. We're not physically marking our bodies. However, we do have physical elements. So I could see that part, but then you have to stop there, and then you've got to fast forward in Revelation, and Revelation has to stand in its context. Before we compare it anywhere else, We have to; it has to stand in its context. And according to Revelation 13, it's super clear. This is going to be a physical marking. It's going to enable people to live in the culture of the day, the global culture, but it's also going to be a spiritual decision. Like a person that takes the mark is it is acknowledging and declaring their loyalty to the beast in worship to him. But they're the two the two things that Exodus doesn't have doesn't hold to dismissing the word mark and what it literally means. It means a physical mark. Okay, because because when I I'm I'm using the King James version. And it's, uh-huh. it's, it, it just sounds so, it's like a duplicate of the Old Covenant. Like, and it says, you know, a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. And I'm, I'm, that's where I get stuck, because yeah. it sounds like it's just repeating Exodus, and that's where I got stuck. Well, the phrases, you know, you're, you're right. I can see, I can understand where you're coming from in terms of the English phrases. Uh, again, when you're doing a word study, even though we didn't compare, you've got... You've got Hebrew words in context, right? Because 
a word is only defined by its meaning in context. So that's very important, right? We can use the same word and it can mean very different things, right? We can say, I love ice cream. I love Los Angeles Dodgers and I love my wife. And I hope, uh, my wife would hope that I'm describing different kind of love, that I don't love her like I love ice cream, even though I use the same word because context is everything. So when I apply the word love to my wife, it has a different meaning, even though it's the same exact word, it has a different meaning and connotation depending upon the object and the context. So you, I can see where you're coming from, that that sounds like similar language, and I would agree with you, but again, we need to define the words within the local context first before we compare to anything else. That quite a, quite a bit. I <laughs> no, it's Thank really good. So I think you're digging. Um, that, I think that this is a key piece that people jump over that it stopped you to cause you to ask a question, which is the essence of interpretation. Uh, the methodology we were taught to study the Bible was observation, interpretation, application. And when you make an observation like you did, and you said, it sounds like, that's an observation. Boy, that sounds familiar. I've, I've heard this before. That leads you to ask an interpretive question. What does it mean? And when you ask that interpretive question, you come up with an answer that is held within the context, the historical grammatical context of, of the sentence. And, and so you're well on your way. That's... I just know, I just would say, even though it does sound similar, and I would agree, it does sound similar, Revelation 13 is pretty clear that it's a physical mark. Just one more little thing. Sure. Like, Satan knows the Word of God. I mean, he, him and Jesus were back and forth. Um, how do you—he he wouldn't be able to use the mark to deceive people, like— because I was thinking, like— when I, before I before I spoke with you that, you know, he could, you know, say, I'm not going to take the mark, you know, um, you know, pretending he's a Christian, blah, 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 and then, you know, deceive the whole world and, and then feed the world after that, you know, saying, you know, this is, what, this is how I was thinking. <laughs> well, he definitely is a deceiver, and he definitely is a liar. The Bible, Jesus said he's a liar from the beginning. Uh, the devil is, and we certainly do, as followers of Christ, believe a lot of lies that are contrary to the scriptures. So th on the one hand, the answer is yes, the devil is a great deceiver, and he deceives many, and he will deceive many during the great tribulation period. When it comes, at least my understanding biblically, when it comes to the mark of the beast, nobody's going to be tricked. They're going to do it willingly. And the people that do it willingly will already be in the category of being blinded and unsaved. And I don't know about you, but I didn't get saved till I was in my 20s. And, and even though I lived a very rebellious, sinful life, uh, I did so in ignorance and darkness. But I wasn't like deceived into sin. I willfully chose it. Right? Nobody snuck up on me and pushed drugs down my throat or... Maybe maybe drink a, a party all night for 24 hours. Nobody made me do that. Nobody deceived me that way. Um, I chose it. And so people in the last days in the Great Tribulation period, when it comes to the mark, will willingly choose it. 
uh, instead of the great grace, mercy, and love of God. That it's like a big weight off my shoulders. Well, it's a great question, Teresa, and I'm grateful you called from all our friends in Maryland. Have a great night. Thank you. God. All right. Bye bye. 303-690-3000. This is all fresh on my mind because I've been writing on these things. Uh, I haven't written a lot on prophecy, but I've decided uh, as of late, part of uh, being being here, uh, working from home more often, is I've been writing a lot on prophecy. And so you can find those writings at edtaylor.org, edtaylor.org. I'm sure it's going to develop into some Bible studies. And I mean, we've already gone through, we're going through Daniel, we've gone through Revelation, like we've got, we got a lot um, available as we teach through the Bible, but just really wanting to speak to the days in which we're in, in the last days. Up in Broomfield, Colorado, Ryan's been waiting. Ryan, welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor Ed. I I appreciate you taking my call. Um, I just wanted to touch on some of the issues that you discussed at the outset, um, just around the social distancing and and sort of the peripheral impact of that outside of just sort of yeah. the economic impact that we're seeing in the, in the global equity markets and, and the global commodities markets, um, specifically here in Colorado being an energy-producing state, you know, crude oil being crushed the way it's been crushed. You have a lot of jobless people in the market. And really what that does is it creates a situation where there's a lot of families that, that have children that are under a great deal of pressure. And some of these family environments, as you know, are – some of them are healthy, and some of them are not so healthy. And so these yes. children are oftentimes situated in, in home lives that uh, they're not getting enough food. Uh, they have a mom or a dad that maybe is under a lot of stress and is taking it out on the children. Um, and I, I just want to basically keep the church community um, vigilant um, around what they're seeing in their community. We're all here at home, maybe for the first time, uh, all of our neighborhoods seeing our neighbors all at the same time on a Wednesday afternoon. And, yeah, we're not close to each other, but those little people, you know, are, are all by themselves in some cases, and they need you to advocate for them. And so I don't know what that looks like. I don't have a good answer what that looks like. We're not yeah. supposed to get near people, but we're supposed to help people, you know. But I do know that, that God says in, in Psalm 82.3 that we're supposed to give justice to the weak and the fatherless and that we're supposed to maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute, and we're supposed to rescue the weak and the needy and deliver them from the hand of the wicked through God's power. And so I don't know what that looks like, Pastor Ed, but I just want to have everyone pray um, for for the little ones um, that, that don't have an advocate. Yeah, let's do that in a moment. But um, we were talking about this on our staff meeting. You know, we've been doing our staff meetings by Zoom, and we, we opened up the platform, the, the we opened up the dialogue this morning of what— you know, what are, what are the guys doing? You know, everybody's working, pretty much everyone's working from home. We're cycling through as a church to make sure we have pastoral coverage in our community. And so some guys are coming in one or two days a week and everyone else is working from home. And so we asked, uh, what are things that we're doing that would be reflective, uh, within the limitations that are placed upon us? You know, what are, that are reflective of, of the, the love of Jesus Christ and, and, and I'm wondering, uh, what does that what does that look like for you? Have you been able to creatively? Do you have anything to offer us? I'm going to pray for kids um, in a moment, but is there anything creatively that you have done um, that you could share with us, or ideas that you could throw out, whether you've done them or not? 
Yeah, so so we've got uh, four little ones at home. We've got uh, 11, 9, 7, and 1. So 11, 9, and 7 are in school. And, you know, one of the things that um, I think is really important is, is we, my wife and I, have, have reached out um, to not just the teachers remotely, but also made sure that we check in with uh, the school counselors. And if we, if we know there are kids that are friends of our kids that maybe are acting a little bit differently or are maybe having some problems, basically pinging the school counselor and saying, hey, you might want to check in with so-and-so. We don't know the situation, okay. but you just might want to check in with them. Um, because if the school's reaching out, then it's kind of a proactive thing. Uh, on the food side of things, which, which I know a lot of schools have, like, school lunches. Um, yes. I, you know, it's, it's hard for those kids, obviously, to get those, those school lunches unless they're right across the street from the school, right? And so I, I think one of the things that, that we, we should be thinking about doing um, is – getting in touch with the school and seeing if we can kind of do a Meals on Wheels type thing, uh, almost yes. kind of like a free DoorDash, you know? Yeah. Um, that would be another idea. Um, but I think even, even more so, you know, my wife and I wrestled with, you know, for people that maybe need immediate help where it's, it's not necessarily an abusive environment, but um, the, the family is, you know, potentially unable to pay rent or their mortgage, um, is basically I, I haven't found a way – um, to, you know, to respectfully get somebody in touch with the church. You know, I know that there's like a, a fellowship offering that the church takes that's, uh, there's a special word for it that I don't remember, but like a, a goodwill offering that's supposed sure. to help people in those ways. Benevolence? It, it's fine. Yeah, but benevolence offering, exactly. It's basically uh-huh. if there was a way that was maybe a little bit more expedited, whether through your app or something else, where you basically could say to a person, here's how you get in touch with the church for a benevolence offering. I think that would be another tool in the toolkit. Yeah, we were we were considering that one of the things that that we've been encouraging the church is, you know, for years we as pastors have said the church is not a building, the church is not a building, you're the church and and really encouraging and empowering the church to meet immediate needs um right in your community and I I like I really like how you uh, and as you, you folks are listening in, how you were observant or have are are observant um, in some ways, whatever limitations are placed upon you, that you see your kids' friends or a connection with your kids. One of our pastors was talking about, and a couple of our staff was talking about how their how some of their kids were very um, interactive with their friends via technology. Now you know they can't be playing like one one kid is facetiming all day and the other one's reading a book all day you know in their home and and so being vigilant and and observant when your kids are connecting with their friends uh and being um very careful to report anything you know we're still mandatory reporters so you know there there is a sense on the very first time the very first week of this um stay at home order one of the sisters on our team uh, very emotionally began to pray for the kids that are going to be in abusive homes. And now they're going to have to stay home in abusive homes with a heightened stress level. And, and, and I mean, obviously it was super emotional. Like it's, it's very difficult. This all the all around, all around, all the way around, this is a very difficult season. Um, and I appreciate your ideas. Let's pray for those kids. Father, I pray uh, for the, the challenges that this stay-at-home order has brought in many different ways, food, uh, you know, 
challenges with kids and their parents, parents and their kids, meltdowns and frustration levels. Um, even my brother Ryan, who has four kids at home, and it's just different. I pray for the inner dynamics of the economy. You know, that I, I already know that there have been people posting so excited about lower gas prices and just so happy, and yet at the same time not recognizing the thousands of people that that represents. You know, saving a few pennies on gas can wreck a whole industry. And and so, Lord, we don't have all the answers. We don't know exactly. We don't, we don't have all the answers to the global challenges. But I do know, Lord, that you are sovereign, that you're on the throne, and that you are a careful creator who sent your son Jesus Christ proving your love to us. You don't just suggest your love to us. You've proven it on the cross. And may we live under the shadow of your love and the shadow of your cross and the shadow of your resurrection in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Lucas in Longmont, Colorado. Lucas, welcome to the program. Hi. Hey, Lucas, what's up? How old are you? Nine. Nine. Right on. Do you have a question? Yeah. I was wondering why God needs to make a new heaven if heaven's already perfect. Well, there's there is a there is a teaching in the Bible where God in in the end is going to create a new heaven and a new earth, and the idea is a perfect, untouched and untainted by sin. Because you know as well as I do, right? Sin has messed everything up. Have you noticed that in your life? Yeah. Have you seen sin in your own life, even at nine years old? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Even when I was nine years old, I remember making a lot of bad decisions uh, when I was nine years old. I wasn't asking Bible questions like you, though. And so because of sin, the, the only thing that's perfect is God. God is perfect. And so he is untouched and unchanged by sin. You know, even the heavens, I don't know if you if your par- if you've ever read this in the Bible or maybe your parents read it to you, but did you know that even the devil has been in heaven? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's amazing. So part of God's restorative work, you know, restoration, part of him rescuing the world from sin and death and part of his final work is to create a new heaven and a new earth for all of eternity, untouched uh, and un... Like, if you can imagine life without sin, this will be the eternal dwelling place of you and me by faith because the current heaven and the current earth has been under the curse. Remember the curse? Yeah. Remember when... I mean, back in Genesis, when the devil tempts Adam and Eve and they throw all of the world into sin, um, there's a passage in the Bible in the book of Romans that even says that all creation's groaning like pains in childbirth, waiting for God to fulfill his plan. And so it's not as perfect as you might think, even though the presence of God brings perfection. Um the new earth and the new heavens is required because it will be free from sin, sickness, evil, suffering, death, and everything. 
Okay. And that's why. What, do you have any follow-up to that? That's a great question for a nine-year-old. No. Well, thanks for calling, buddy. Thanks for answering my question. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. 303-690-3000. Very encouraging. I'm always encouraged by kiddos asking Bible questions because that is definitely not what I was doing at nine years old. Very encouraging. Good job, Mom and Dad. Herschel in Aurora, Colorado. Herschel, welcome to the program. Hi. Hey. Oh, you want to know my question? Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Uh, in in the Scripture, there, there are a number of events that happens after <clears throat> the uh, tribulation period. Uh, one is that... Uh, 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 it talks about a, uh, a thousand-year reign of Christ, or Satan being chained up for a thousand years, and there will be a thousand yes. years of peace and, and so forth. Yes. A- and it speaks that after that period, Satan will be loosed for a little while. And the Bible is, is nondescript in terms of what, what it means by a little while. And if one is left to uh, uh, presuppose, guess, or... or, or, or or whatever, or either don't not to worry about it. But during that period, uh, and 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 until the time that he is captured again, and receives his final due. Yes. Uh, those persons that live after the tribulation are they required to receive Christ in the same manner? as those of us who live prior to the rapture. Yes. Although you're asking quite a quite a uh, few good questions. So, for example, the first thought is, how long is a little while? That's a good question. I don't have the answer to that. Uh, but when you ask a question related to salvation, salvation in every epic has been the same way, and that is by grace through faith, so that the the salvific work of the blood of Jesus Christ can only be appropriated one way. There's only one way to salvation. There's not two, not three, not five, only one way. So in a general sense, yes, they, they will only, salvation will only be appropriated one way, and that's by faith. Okay, uh, and, and I and I <clears throat> I agree with that, and because I've had uh, not issues, but I am uh, uh, a dispensationalist of sorts. Okay, sure. Uh, and we are currently, I as I understand it, living under the dispensation of grace. That's correct. I would agree with you. Which requires an acknowledgement of Christ as Lord. And Romans uh, 10.9 says it all, is that the confession of Jesus as Lord and, and, and acknowledgement that it was God that raised him from the dead. Uh, and then there are a number of things that, that happens in our favor after that. Uh, but as I understand it, the period of grace and the requirement for that 
ends with the uh, second advent or the beginning of the tribulation period or the rapture. And I was just my question was that after the rapture, after grace, would the, would the same requirements exist for those persons uh, that survive the uh, uh, the tribulation period? Yeah, I think that the I think that salvation by grace through faith has been standing through every dispensation, no matter uh, you know for hyper dispensationalists, nominal dispensationalists, this. God has one way of salvation, even under the Old Covenant, even under the Abrahamic Covenant, even under the Noahic Covenant, even under the every covenant, every dispensation that you can develop, it's the same way. Now, how, it li- how it's lived out is certainly different, but the requirements, you know, the, just thinking of the sacrifice of the Lamb, um, how was a person saved? Was it by the death of the Lamb, or was it by faith in God? And it, it's always been faith in God. It wasn't the, the blood of the lamb wasn't salvific. God was salvific. Um, and, and so the blood of Jesus Christ now then become, you're, you're, you're believing by faith of the future, and now we get to believe by faith in the past because the blood of Jesus Christ was salvific. That's what's God's promise. But thank you very much for calling. You hear the music. Got to go. Hey, come. Uh, you can't come, but join us online. Uh, 7 p.m. We'll start our service tonight. Uh, in the book of Daniel, and I'm honored and blessed to be a part of that, calvaryco.church, calvaryco.church. See you in a bit. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.